the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and you're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your questions, questions about the Bible, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. You need only to call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877 877- 630-KSLR, numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Normally on Tuesdays, I don't have anything, but I've got something special for you today. Um, Pastor Chris Sanchez, uh, one of our youth pastors here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, I've asked him to join me on the program. We had a phone call from Ron from Converse, who's one of our semi-regular callers. You want to talk about hermeneutics last week, and it sort of stirred something in my head. I thought, well, you know, let's just have Chris come in. Now, Chris is not only one of the youth pastors here, but he teaches Bible at the school, the academy, and that also includes hermeneutics. So we'll get to all of that. We will take phone calls. So if you've got questions, um, I like the confused look on Chris's face when I say, what do you think, Chris? So uh, have your way. 340-9585. Chris, thanks for being here. Oh, no, thanks for having me. It's um, going to be a fun time. Well, why don't we start with you sort of giving a little bit of your background, um, your your background here at the church. Um, since you got saved, uh, I've known you for your whole life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, you held me when I was a baby, so that it's, that tells you anybody who looks at us now won't believe that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I grew up in the church, went through our children's ministry, uh, the verse-by-verse teaching from day one. Uh, doesn't mean I believed it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people who grow up in church, uh, they fake their Christianity, and I was one of those. It's it's true, isn't it? You know all the answers that we're looking for, and oh, know all the answers. Got all the the cool stickers on the board, yeah. <laughs> all the, the all that fun stuff that every Christian child is supposed to. But uh, as you very well know, I didn't accept it uh, until I was about sixteen, seventeen years old, uh, when finally finally the gospel made sense, and uh, the Lord the, through the Holy Spirit made it very clear that I was a sinner that needed to be saved by grace, even though I had been resisting See, it. I knew that about you when you were like three. Oh, yes. Well, it took me a bit longer <laughs> yeah. to, to come to that conclusion. But, but yeah, it was, um, it, it was a, a, a definite turning point. You know, when the prophet Isaiah talks about, you know, where, where he had to preach the gospel, so there's that, you know, if he stays quiet, there's that fire. Uh, the Holy Spirit, when I got saved, was definitely a fire. Uh, that I knew that if I didn't accept Christ then, I, I more than likely wouldn't have. So 
all the when I got saved, all of those verses and everything that I had learned uh, were were more than just stickers. Now they actually had value, and I was able to to make sense of it uh, a, a lot more. And so I got saved and. Uh, my personality is I'm either all in or all out. And when I was a, a sinner, uh, I was counting down the days that I could be fully in that. Uh, <laughs> but obviously the Lord had other plans. So, See, and that's, that's a testimony to a, a strong mom and a strong grandma and yeah. a connection here at the church. You, didn't, you weren't given the option about coming to church. No, I was not given, uh, given the option. For a while, we, uh, we lived out in Canyon Lake and 45-minute drive. So, you know, we... Definitely did not have the option, um, but ultimately it was for God's glory that all of this. He, he had a he had a plan, and uh, even though I was resisting it for a while, he he obviously had his way. So after I got saved, um, it, it was one of those things where it's like, all right, well you're saved now, so do something with it. And uh, eventually I asked the Lord, you know, what He wanted for me, and He made ministry a, a very top priority, the priority. And asking him kind of, you know, what does that look like? And he said, well, just get prepared, get ready. And he led me to Bible college. Uh, one semester I was with, uh, I was up there in Calvary Chapel in Santa Barbara. And my last two semesters I spent at the Marietta campus. But through all that time, regardless of what location I was at, the Lord was just telling me to, to get ready. Uh, didn't give me any more details, just get ready. And so I got invested in scripture, went through it, allowed him to break and sandblast a lot of me uh, <laughs> as only he can uh humbled you know showed me that uh, i have a lot to learn you know chris one of the things you, you use the word humbled um beyond any doubt at least in my mind one of the reasons god doesn't give us any details is because it is the most humbling experience <laughs> that any of us go through especially men because we we feel like well i got to have a direction i got to be able to answer questions and and the reality is when people say, okay, what are you going to do now? And, and um, you know, over and over and over we say, oh, I, I don't know. I'm just going to follow Jesus. And people look at us like we're crazy. But that humbling process has to be done. And, and that's one of the ways God does it. Oh, yeah. And he, um, he has been faithful continu- to continuously humble, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you are, you are very well aware of. And... <laughs> Throughout the the time that I was away, you know, that was a very good time because it showed me where I stood, where I was weak in my understanding of Scripture. It's I grew up in this church, but I hadn't yet made these doctrines personal for myself. I wasn't able to to stand and to explain them and and being away and just going through a lot of a lot of things, a lot of hurtful uh, things. The Lord showed me the only comfort that can be found is in Him. And uh, through that, I was able to further, um, just really just further progress in my walk with him. Um, and that really comes with the only, the only answer, as you always say, is just being with Jesus, where that comfort is going to be found. Yeah. Chris, you, you talked about um, just uh, you're all in. And the reality is there's no other way to be a Christian. If you're born again <laughs> Christian, you're all in. If you're not, you're wrestling against the Lord and... And you're going to lose that wrestling match eventually. Um, But as a young man, how old are you? 25. 25. As a young man, um, you obviously don't fit in with most of the people your age. (laughs) Um, You know, your your goals are different. Your outlook on things is different. Uh, How do you deal with that when you're out in the world? Well, I mean, the only way to deal with it is when you have the proper perspective. You know, it's one of these things to where I may not fit in uh, based on my worldview, but because that's, as a Christian, our worldview is in heaven. You know, it's this idea when Christ says, you know, his kingdom is not here on this world. You know, our job as Christians is to look heavenward, is to look forward to the return of the Lord. And when you take that seriously, that Christ can come back at any moment, your life changes. Uh, you're you're always wanting, you're wanting to be caught doing that which is proper, that which is right. And it, it's bothered me some, um, but not much. As soon as the Lord was very clear in asking me, uh, would you rather be accepted you know, by your peers as far as you know, doing what they do, saying what they do, being engaged in what they're engaged in, or would you rather have a fruitful ministry? Uh, as a Christian, the, the, the answer was simple. It's, you know, Lord, I want to serve you. 
And so when that, that decision had to be made um, rather quickly after I got saved and the enemy was, was very quick to tempt and to distract. But once I made that resolution that, you know what, Lord, if I'm going to serve you, I'm going to serve you with all of my being, then I, I can't be consumed with what the world wants to say to me. Because as the Bible says, a servant will never be greater than the master. And Jesus is very faithful to prepare us for that opposition in his word. Um, you know, they're going to hate you because they hate me. Do I believe that or not? <laughs> you know, and, and once you... I think the question we have to, do we have to come to uh, peace with is, is am I willing yeah. to accept that? Because none of, none of us, we don't want to be hated. We don't want to be persecuted. But the reality is, no matter whether you're 25 or my age, and I'm a little older than 25, um, the reality is when you stand for Jesus, um, people are going to stand against you and, and forcefully in a lot of cases. Yeah, and it's uh, I still have my, my run-in with you know 20 people my age and um, their, their minds, as, as I know you've talked about before on this show, um, they're so far gone, you know, because of the, the lies of this world, you know, what the world is telling them, what they should be accepting or what should they should be standing for. But what I've taken notice of, and as, as, as many people in, in our church know, you know, we have a lot of younger people in this church and, and they're phenomenal. You know, uh, this past Saturday at pastor's class, a lot of the young people serve in, in the youth ministry and they are perfect examples uh, for not only the youth, but even for myself, you know, this idea that the Lord has been faithful to surround me with such faithful servants that I I have to be sure that my attention is faced on Jesus and Jesus alone, because, you know, the, the we are in these last days. And if we are going to be a faithful church, then we need to start being faithful today. Yeah. You know, we tell people um, to follow me as I follow Christ. Right. Does that put any pressure on you as a 25-year-old young man? <laughs> Yeah, um, put, uh, you 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 know that if you mess up, there's all those other young men and women who are who are serving under your ministry. Um, put any pressure on you? It puts a lot of pressure, um, but that pressure is easily offset. That as long as I'm with Jesus and following the Holy Spirit, uh, allowing Him to guide me to righteousness, He'll take care of the rest. You know, I can honestly say that as long as I follow after the Lord and. Uh, watch my life and doctrine closely, as Paul told Timothy, I don't have much to take on because it's the, the Holy Spirit is the one knitting our hearts together, uh, putting us before and taking us through trials and using me and, and allowing me to minister to them as they minister to, to myself. And it's been a really fruitful thing. Uh, we can see evidence in that in our relationships with one another. You know, when we get together, there, there's fellowship. And it's it's a very beautiful thing, and it encourages me that we don't have to worry about you know who's a, a, a legitimate Christian and who's not, because as Jesus says, you know you're going to know who are mine by their fruit, and as because of how we do ministry, not just youth but as the church at large, it's very hard to be a a fake Christian here at Calvary Chapel. Because when you go through, as we do, word for word and, and verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, you you quickly see that the Holy Spirit has been faithful to show uh, what his standards are when it comes to holiness and, and, and living your life for him. And those people who come here, you know, wanting to feel good all the time, uh, the Holy Spirit's job isn't to make you feel good. You know, it's it's, it's to show you, you know, your, your excellency and your your identity is found in Christ uh, but also there's a there's that standard of holiness that that we have to adhere to, but we do it by his power that he's done it that there's a burden that's been lifted explain briefly um i I've already got enough stuff I could do two two shows with you <laughs> but uh, explain briefly when you talk about pursuing holiness, explain the difference between that and and legalism yeah pursuing holiness in its proper view is is also understanding, uh, you know, what Paul talks about in, in Galatians. But the whole notion of the gospel is to give freedom. And this freedom that we have in our holiness is, is we no longer, first of all, we no longer have to sin. We are no longer um, under that bondage, but we've been freed from that. But this holiness and this freedom that we have is to live righteously. 
Chris, give, give, give the audience a Bible verse that that defines what you just said. People say, well, well, I, I'm tempted all the time and I give in to sin. And you said we don't have to sin. We don't. I mean, the, the first one that comes to mind is what I, I'm sure many, many people are thinking, and that's Galatians 5.1. That is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And, and that's not the freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. Right, freedom from. And even in, in, in Romans chapter 8, what we see is that this, uh, the spirit that we have received, you know, it's not this, this yoke of slavery, you know, but it brings about our adoption to sonship so that by it we may cry out, Abba, Father. And when we understand these, uh, these things, and as it says, Paul says in Corinthians, that he who knew no sin, you know, Christ became sin, became the bearer of sin, so that we might become his righteousness. You know, we, we have this excellency of righteousness in Christ. And when you have that perspective, uh, your whole life, th- this burden is lifted. Your life doesn't get easier, but you're with the one who, who has loved you. Okay, now there's obviously a lot of parents in our audience. You said that that power that frees us from sin lives in us. Mm-hmm. Why, Chris, are so many young people um, not exercising that freedom? I think because in in a minor part they don't they don't fully understand the grace that's been given to them that they may intellectually know what it is you know they they can quote the verses they can quote exactly what the doctrine is but unless that head knowledge becomes heart knowledge uh then you don't truly experience that now they may have this euphoric feeling whether it be at a retreat or a camp or during a service but until it becomes part of your daily life, and as, as, as we know, this world, and, and because of different trials, it clouds your thinking, and it can have a tendency to burden your heart. But the same gospel that saved us is the same gospel that, that props us up, that Christ may shape, and the Holy Spirit conforms us to the image of the firstborn son, as it says in Romans. And so many young people, I think, uh, are, are looking to, to the left and to the right. You know, they're tossed, as Colossians warns, you know, tossed to and fro from the wind of every new doctrine, um, the best way to be a Christian. And they look at uh, TikTok videos and, and have a TikTok relationship <laughs> with Jesus. And this brings us to that point of, of hermeneutics. You know, when you, when you go through Scripture, and hermeneutics is just a fancy term for how you interpret the Bible. You know, and there, many people will say there are 50... I, I, I know somebody who says there are 56 ways to study the Bible. I think that's 55 too many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and, I, and he wrote a book and he was publicizing his book. But as we know, when, once you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit who guides you to righteousness, who points you to Jesus. And this, this topic of hermeneutics is simply how does this, and, I, and, and you, you filter all this text through how does this verse point to Jesus? The Old Testament points to Jesus dying on the cross and, and, and rising again. Paul's epistles now show, now how do you live because of the resurrection? And when you filter everything through the gospel, you know, my, my high schoolers and, and the junior hires, I tell them, get back to the gospel. If you're confused, or you're, even if you're talking to somebody, you get back to the gospel. Because that's the, the filter of the entire scriptures, because Christ is the center. And... That's what's important as, as, as for younger people. Younger, older people, it doesn't matter. The Word of God has no discrimination of age. You know, the, the counsel that we have in Scripture is a counsel that's been before all things. Well, that, that's actually the beauty of, of the Word being living and active. It grows mm-hmm. with us. So the, the verses don't change in meaning, but where they meet you and your walk changes as you're pursuing the Lord. And I think a lot of times people forget that. And uh, when I asked you why why do so many young people uh, not seem to get it, and I think, Chris, a lot of it's just a matter of faith. You know, the Israelites who perished in the wilderness died because of unbelief. Uh, the autopsy, cause of death, unbelief. Right. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that that people are freaking out because, oh, they go to college or they go into the work world and we lose all these kids that have been growing up in Christian homes and they lose their faith. Um, it was a faith that they never had, but the the reality is that most young people uh, aren't brought up with a a solid hermeneutic uh, or or an attention to doctrine. So what I'd like you to do, Chris, is is talk about the the importance of doctrine and and ways of interpreting the Bible to make sure that your doctrine doesn't get messed up. Let me, before Chris answers that, let's uh, give him his phone numbers again. 
If you have any questions for Pastor Chris or for me, whether it's Bible questions or questions about our conversation, 210-340-9585. Toll free is 877-630-KSLR. Chris, talk about doctrine. You mentioned it two or three times uh, just in your discussion. And, you know, you mentioned doctrine in most churches and people start yawning and zipping up their Bibles. Why is it important? It's important because it's 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 like a house without a foundation. You know, the, these these important doctrines that we have as Christians first, it, it starts with who Jesus is, because like like we talked about, the Old Testament points to Jesus being born in Bethlehem, living this perfect life, dying on the cross and rising again for our so that we may have salvation. And any time that I talk to somebody out on the street and we, you know, I'm, I'm saved and this, and I ask one question, okay, well, who is Jesus to you? Because if they don't have the proper Jesus, the Jesus that's clearly spelled out in our Bibles, then they don't have the right Jesus. And that's, that's what I handle first. And that's of the, the utmost importance to me is, well, let's make sure that we have the right Jesus because people may say I'm searching for God, but see, the only way to the Father is through Christ. So that's the first doctrine. Doctrine is just another name for what we Christians believe. And, and who Jesus is is important. So the, the identity and the person of, of, of Jesus, the fact that he is 100% God and 100% man, is one of the most important uh, doctrines that we as Christians have because our whole salvation is, is sourced in that. Yeah, and, and that's when you say important or most important, uh, literally it's essential. Yes, it is an essential. There cannot be any, well, he's kind of, no, he either is or he's not. Because if he, if Jesus is not God, then he really has no business saying your sins are forgiven because only God can forgive sins. And one of my favorite passages in the Gospels to point to that is with the, is with the lame man when he was lowered and Jesus goes over, people expecting him to, to heal him, and he goes over and says, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. And the Pharisees just had a fit. You know, who are you? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus, you know, saying, well, you're absolutely right. You know, first of all, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or, pick, or take up your mat and walk? And Jesus looks at the Pharisees, these guys who were supposed to be the heralds of the Messiah, the ones who were to say, look, he is here. He looks at him and says, you know what? So that you know that I have the power to forgive sins. He turns to the man and says, pick up your mat and walk. Showing that Jesus not only has authority um, in this present world, in, in the physical, but he has authority to forgive sins in the spiritual. And that's why the person and the identity of Jesus being both man and God is so important because if he's not God, like I said, he can't forgive sins. And if he wasn't man, then he couldn't act as that perfect sacrifice for us because only man can, can substitute for man. And, and that's clearly spelled out. So these people who talk about, well, Jesus, it's not important that he was human. It, it is very important that he's human because that's what was promised even in the Old Testament. You know, Chris, it's fascinating to me. The, 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 uh, the heresy never changes. It's been with us from the very beginning, um, and it will be with us until the very end. But, but the, the overriding heresy uh, in, the, in the first century church was Gnosticism, uh -huh. and, and others sprung from that. But but the idea of Gnosticism was that, well, God is holy and he can't have anything to do with the, the fleshly realm. And so, you know, they denied his humanity. Uh -huh. um, nobody denied in the first century that he was God, that he was crucified and risen from the dead. But what they said was, well, it, it wasn't really him in the flesh. It appeared to be him because God is holy. God is perfect. He can't uh, mingle with, with sinful flesh. And now here we are 2,000 years later. And the heresies turned upside down. Nobody denies that Jesus was a real historical person, a man who walked the earth. What they deny is that he was God. And, and that's why doctrine matters so much, because you can't change with the, 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 the winds and waves of doctrine that pour, pour through. Um, you mentioned earlier, you sat through verse-by-verse -verse teaching mm -hmm. as, a, as a kid, young, very young kid. And so you were exposed to the Bible. Um, when you got saved, what changed with you in the Bible? Well, the immediate change was the fact that 
I was once dead, now I'm alive. And more importantly, with that life that Jesus gives, the a veil had been removed because there are many unsaved people who read the Bible and they can't understand it. But it's because we you there's an aspect of reading scripture. It's a living and active word. And you can't read that which is life, that which gives life and promotes it if your soul is if your spirit is dead. And so what changed for me is once I got saved, I was now reading uh, the very word of God. And now that I had the spirit of the living God indwelling me and sealing me and holding me fast, now I was able to go through the word of which he inspired and now allowing him to, to guide me and to show me how this points to Jesus and how this now um, gives me the strength and the encouragement to move on. But more importantly, it's showing me and I'm allowing it to change my heart to be more and more like Christ. And so the immediate change was the fact that I was once dead, now I am alive and I can see. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the program. Pastor Chris Sanchez is my guest, youth pastor here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, 340-9585 or toll free. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Half of our program, it's Tuesday, and I have in the studio Pastor Chris Sanchez, uh, one of our two youth pastors here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. And we're going to talk about hermeneutics and some other things. Moms and dads, uh, tune in if we get the time. We're going to talk about uh, a, a pastor's discipleship class we had this uh, past Saturday. And just maybe get an idea, listening to Pastor Chris, what your kids are, um, what kind of questions they're asking their youth pastors and uh, maybe some things that you ought to be aware of. Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and we will be happy to take your phone calls. Chris, all of this was a reaction. I want you on a response to uh, Ron from Converse, who asked, "Could we give him an overview of hermeneutics?" Now, hermeneutics is simply the 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 science of of interpretation of literature. Uh, we're concerned about the Bible, but the same rules of interpretation apply. So um, give our audience a brief overview of hermeneutics. How do we study our Bible? I get questions, as you've heard all the time, about, well, why don't we celebrate the Sabbath? And, and, and what about tithing and those kind of questions? And um, uh, hermeneutics matters a great deal. So why don't you talk about that? Okay, well, uh, for those of you who don't know, here at the Academy, Pastor Ron said in the beginning of the radio program, uh, our 10th graders here, they go through hermeneutics. And, of course, we, we use the Bible because the Bible is an excellent tool uh, for learning how to read or, or uh, learning how to read or with hermeneutics especially. And as Pastor Ron said, all hermeneutics is is the science. Uh, some people add the science and the art, but it's the science of, of biblical interpretation. So there are five, I think, tools or five key things that one can hold on to so they can properly understand the text. The so as I said previously, the gospel is one of the most important things that you that you need to be able to understand. It's very simple, you know that Christ came to forgive sins. You know God came down in human form, and and he he became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So as we go through any any scripture from from Genesis to Revelation, we filter everything we we are reading through that. So there are five or four principles for hermeneutics that I think are important for, for anyone who's interested in studying the Bible to understand. The first one is let Scripture interpret itself. We don't want to add our opinion into Scripture. That is one of the most dangerous of sorry, things. Sorry to correct you in public, Chris. We want to add our opinion. Hermeneutics says you can't do that. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that That is the proper way to, to say it. We all think we have opinions, and we don't. Uh, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit is really faithful to explain himself. And that's one of the, the most beautiful things. So my advice is before you read a book and you want to study it, I always tell my students to read the entire book in its entirety. Uh, I, I've heard it phrased, 
you don't want to study a tree and try to study just the bark of a tree if you can step back and look at the forest because that helps you get the big picture. And what we know from the common thread throughout scripture is the love of God and his redemption and what he has done for us. And if we get caught up and we start putting our opinion in scripture, we, we mess it up. The, the word of God is infallible. It, it is without error. It's, it's not possible to have any mistakes in it. And so when we allow scripture to interpret itself, uh, we, we do this, the text, the, the service that it's due, the honor that it's due rather. So what that means is, is if you're reading something in 1 Corinthians, that doesn't make sense. Uh, don't freak out. Keep reading because Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is faithful to explain it. If you're reading something in Leviticus, uh, I, I'm sure many of us avoid of Leviticus, but it's a phenomenal book. And when some of that stuff doesn't make sense, well, the book of Hebrews is a beautiful commentary on it. Uh, it is it is a, a, a beautiful commentary, and it shows how everything in Leviticus points to Jesus. And so as you go through those, even those difficult books, ask yourself the question, well, first of all, how does this point to Jesus? Because all of it does. And so scripture interprets scripture. If one book isn't making sense, well, another Bible author, another biblical author has, has spoken on that because the Lord wants us to, Jesus came to reveal the Father and he wants us to know his word. He's not hiding anything from us. So that's the first principle is that scripture interprets scripture. The mm -hmm. second principle I think is, that is really important is that context is key. Context. So what was going on? The, the history, for those of you who love history, uh, this gives you an opportunity to see what the what the time was like, you know, it, when it was written. So, if you're reading the book of First Corinthians, and something qu doesn't quite make sense, after you've allowed Scripture to interpret itself, if for further study, go back into history books and see and see what was going on. And so, context is is really important. Not just that, but look at the 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 language that was being used as you're reading a psalm you know, or a proverb. It's like, oh man, why did he say that? Well, you know what? Why did he? You know, if we say today that don't put the cart before the horse and somebody 200 years later reads that, we're not talking about an actual horse and cart, you know, or don't jump the gun. You know, so these statements that we're saying, it's important to understand them, how what they meant in their original time. Yeah, Chris, you know, um, uh, I'm going to use a question. We won't talk about the question so much today. But a question that I have been sent uh, is an example of, of the value of context. Um, somebody wants to know why we don't insist that women wear head coverings. Mm -hmm. Because Paul, writing the Corinthians, says women should, should wear head coverings in church. And the context there, and this is why the hermeneutic matters so much, the context there is authority. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not the head cover. It's what the head cover meant in that, that culture. And there's no reference to Genesis which establishes that as a rule once for all. So the idea is, I can tell that he's dealing, when he says, I do not per permit women to, to speak in church, he's talking about, I don't permit women to speak in church uh, out from under the authority of their husband. Mm -hmm. And um, we get all freaked out over stuff like that when it's really easy if you go back to the context and say, well, what's he really talking about? Oh, yeah. The Father is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of the church. Uh, uh, Christ is the head of man. Christ is man. head of man, and man is the head of woman. Mm -hmm. So he's talking about the proper authority, and that's why that hermeneutic matters so much. And if you if you stay faithful to it, mm -hmm. then in fact you you uh, you won't get carried away with false doctrines. Oh yeah, and we, it's funny you mentioned that one. We actually taught that in junior high uh, yesterday. That exact oh. passage. And so that's why it's very, very fresh in my mind. And um, one thing even we do with that is I, I read through the section as, as you do all at once. And then as I go and explain it, you know, because we have a smaller group, we're able to, I'm able to engage with them. And with that engagement, it's prompting them uh, to think through these things, you know, to train them in that hermeneutic at an early age, that it's, um, that it is very much lecture format. It is very much. Uh, I am going to be teaching them the Bible, 
But it's also I want them to start putting these things into practice as as time permits or as the text permits, whether they be asking questions about, you know, why does it say this? If I didn't make something clear, you know, they're able to ask. And then that way we're able to to study the scripture together. So, yeah, that that culture and, and understanding that is really important. Yeah, let's take a break. Keep your train of thought where you are. We'll come back to the other principles in a moment. Let's go to Cibolo, Texas and talk with Matthew on line one. Matthew, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Papa Ron, Pastor Chris. Uh, how y'all doing? Doing well, thanks. All right, awesome. So, uh, speaking about, I love to talk about hermeneutics and homiletics, um, just fancy Christian terms, biblical terms. But um, So, in my master's program, we actually had a class where uh, we we were able to pick a book, and I picked First Timothy 3, and uh, we talked about that first. We basically had to write a paper and talk about it dive into scripture, context, everything, the whole nine yards. And um, so we got into, as a class, there was maybe like 20 of us, and they were picking, and we had to present our paper. And, and I talked about, you know, about, about pastor. Well, there shouldn't be any people pastor, but we talked about that. So I see uh, a Christian uh, female who called me that evening after I presented my paper, who really I didn't see me a female pastor. So my question to you is, um, what, when you come into that conversation with people who disagree and have that interpretation of Scripture, and we we revert to the Bible, they have their own interpretation, how do you deal with that and as far as a, you know, a Christian-like professional level? Yeah. Matthew, you know, one of the things that's happened, and, and this is why biblical interpretation and the, the consistency of it matters so much. Um, we, we, we bring our experiences. Uh, obviously, you can go to a lot of churches to find women pastors. And I've been challenged on this radio program over and over and over uh, throughout our 10 years doing this uh, on that very question. And, and I always will, will respond simply by saying, okay, you tell me. What First Timothy two twelve means? What what it what it means? Read what it says, and then tell me what it means. And uh, nobody can do that because they don't want to do it. It's like it's like asking a Supreme Court nominee, uh, "What is a woman?" Nobody wants to answer the question because it 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 flies in the face of the the, the opinion that they want to interject on the on the passage of Scripture. And so it's really simple. You exegete that passage for me. 1 Corinthians 2.12, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And they will stammer and stumble a little bit, but then I'll say, okay, well, well, well what's the context of that chapter? And it's, it's orderly worship. So if, if the context is this is the way we're supposed to do things in church, and he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, if the husband... Uh, if the qualifications for a pastor in First Timothy 3 are the husband of one wife, uh, not the wife of one husband, um, um, how do you exegete those passages? And again, uh, Matthew, there simply, simply won't be an answer. Chris, using the hermeneutic, the Bible interpreting itself, um, the consistency of interpretation, um, what's the reason? that 1 Corinthians is cultural and relevant only to what's going on in Corinth. I do not permit a woman to teach her, or to, I do, uh, uh, women must remain silent in the church, to the prohibition against women teaching her or, or teaching from a position of authority in the church. Why is one cultural and why is one um, a rule that says, okay, we can't do that? And the the reason is, is exactly what you explained earlier, and that was the fact that the the Holy Spirit made it a point uh, when and through Paul writing to Timothy to take this order back to creation, uh, proving for once and for all that God had an order. Right. That as as Genesis is the foundation for so many things. That's why it's so essential that we take those first eleven, well, the entire book uh, chapter literal, but especially those couple of chapters that are so attacked in today's society. But the creative order. Is so important because if we dismiss that, it says Adam was created first, and and, and there was the woman who was deceived, and part as as you well know in, in the curse in Genesis chapter three, 
is it talks about how the the woman's uh, part of that that she will desire the authority of her husband, and what what the Holy Spirit beautifully does is that He does not say that the the man is more valuable or the woman is is less valuable. He says this is simply the order that only in the church and the home is man to be the head because that's how God created it from the very beginning. Because as we quoted from First Corinthians. It says the father is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of, of man and man is the head of woman. And as we can see with um, Priscilla and Aquila, you know, these two faithful, faithful servants. And they, and they did so much to uh, promote and, and to for the early church and for the gospel. We see Paul, you know, thanking God for, for Titus's mother and grandmother, that they did such a great job giving these guidelines on, on how women can exercise their gifting of teaching to teach children and to teach other women, the older to teach the younger. So the, this concept of, of, of women pastors, as you explained to me, reminds me of, you know, when God says you can have any other tree in the garden, just not this one. But see, the overwhelming majority want that one that God said, don't, don't eat of it yeah. for in that day you will die. And now, obviously, these women pastors aren't aren't dying because of it, but they're surely not experiencing all that God has for them. So in 1 Corinthians, we're... Made, and I would add, Chris, neither is their church. Right. And and the people will use that excuse. Well, people are getting saved. Well, that's because God loves the people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he loves them, and he's... He used a donkey in the Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it, it's one of these things. So the, the faithful hermeneutic is the foundation in which Paul wrote to Timothy. And people say, well, that's just for, for only one church. No, I want this to be known to all the churches because it's not like this church is today. Where... And so the hermeneutic insists that the reference to Genesis is establishing a foundational once for always yes. rule in the church. So Matthew, um, to answer your question, how do you talk to people like that? You simply ask them to do what they won't do, exegete this passage. You know, when somebody comes to me and says, um, well, I believe that you can lose your salvation. Uh, I'll tell them, okay, I want you to exegete Ephesians 1, verses 14. Verse 14. Just tell me what it says. And they'll read it and say, well, what does that say? And then what it says, how, what does that mean relative to losing your salvation? And, and, and they'll start, again, making these illogical leaps um, from one point to another um, but 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 literally, we got to stay with this is what it says, and this is why this isn't a once for always rule, and this one is a once for always rule. Matthew, thank you very very much for that. Chris, what's the other principles? Uh, the third one that I wanted to talk about was the intent. You know, what was the author's tone? Why did he write it? And one of the greatest examples that I give is is what I referenced earlier, and that's the Apostle Paul. Anytime somebody's like, well, what's a good book for me to read? I always tell them Ephesians because Ephesians gives them uh, exactly what the gospel is, who they are in Christ, and, and not only those those spiritual blessings and the promises that God gives to them because you know all the heavenly blessings are found in Christ, but it also shows them how now to live out their salvation. So anytime that I go through uh, one of the Pauline epistles, it really goes for any book, but giving for an example... Uh, the book of Ephesians, you read all of it in one sitting. It takes you maybe 30 minutes, if that. And the reason for that is to hear the heart of the Apostle Paul. Even when you're going through the Old Testament and people see and, and, and hear nothing but the wrath of God. You know, no, God is, is not some vindictive, angry uh, grandfather waiting to throw lightning at people. This is a, God is brokenhearted. You know, he loves the nation of Israel. He's a brokenhearted husband that had made this covenant with, with Israel and they have gone so far and he uh, judgment and, and, and all this stuff is not close. He does not delight in the perishing of the wicked. Even in, so with these intent, you know, what is the author saying? And because you, you know what the gospel is that, and, and the classic verse, everyone, most people on this world know is John three sixteen, that the love of God is, is, is who he is. God is love. So as you go through these these books, you, you need to understand the intent <coughs> because if you don't know the intent, then you're going to miss the entire message. It's like when someone, we hate when people take what we say out of context or put words in our mouth 
because they don't know us. You know, you can say things to me that somebody on the outside may be like, oh man, he's like, no, he, he loves me. And when you understand the author's heart, which ultimately it's the Holy Spirit, you can better understand and better explain what the text is saying. Um, so it, 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 scripture has one correct interpretation, but it has many correct applications. So the general, the three pillars that many people summarize hermeneutics, it's there's observation, interpretation, and application. Observe, observation is, you know, what does the text First of all, what does it say? You know, who are the characters involved? Where are, they, where are they at? You know, what's going on? Interpretation is what does it mean? You know, what does it mean that Jesus says, I am the, I am the way, the truth, and life? You know, what does that mean? And as you go through that, that prompts you to, whether it be a historical study or, a, you know, what other verses now correspond to this? You know, what other verses support this? And, and what, is, what does it mean that he's the only way? Does that mean that he's the only way? Yeah, that's what the only way means. Uh, that means there's no other way. What about sincere people from other religions who who love God and they're just finding a different way to him? Oh, well, sincerity means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you can be sincere about all the wrong things. I, I know we're, we're getting down the corridor of time and space, but I used to tell people the, 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 the pilots that flew those planes into yeah. the Twin Towers were as sincere as anybody who's ever walked the face of the earth. Yeah, and obviously their actions showed just yeah. how sincere they yeah. were, but they were completely wrong. You know, and it's, uh, but that's why that, that intent. So that's the, the interpretation is what does it mean? But the application, this is where that living and active word of God becomes a, a very beautiful thing in your life because I, I can read the same passage 15 different times in 15 stages of life. And the entire time it's something different. The Holy Spirit is guiding me into a different path. And without ever changing the meaning, without ever changing the meaning, without ever changing the characters. If I'm reading a story about David, David doesn't all of a sudden become Saul. Um, the observation, the interpretation remains the same because God stays the same. But the application is where the Holy Spirit meets you and, and, and where he wants to point you and to, to be more like Christ in, in wherever you're at. And the last... Are we already at five minutes? My goodness. Oh, man. Uh, okay, what's the last one, Chris? <laughs> the last one is it's simply that the clear interprets the obscure. So there will be passages in Scripture, and you've referenced this on this show uh, quite frequently, that as you're reading through Scripture, you're like, oh, man, I wonder what that means. Well, you know what? You keep reading. You allow the Holy Spirit to not only make it clear to you because he will be faithful to do so, but as we've said, other books have explained what that means. Uh, I love using Leviticus and Hebrews because there's a lot of people who um, refuse to go through Leviticus because, oh, man, it's boring. Not when you understand that it points to Jesus, you know, and, and his holiness and those things. And the book of Hebrews does a brilliant job explaining that there are Christians, as you know, who avoid revelation because they're scared of it. Um, there's no reason to be scared. First of all, if you're saved, you're going to be with the Lord before any of that stuff happens. But second of all, uh, I have had the opportunity to read straight through the book of Revelation. And all that I was left with was an admiration for who Christ is. There was nothing scary about it. What it showed is that we serve an awesome God. You know, that we serve a God who is faithful in all that he does. And even though there are parts in Revelation, you know, where we can't be completely uh, dogmatic, firm on, because it hasn't happened yet. Either way, we know that God's justice and God's goodness will be clearly seen. And we as Christians, uh, we as Christians have this beautiful uh, ability to ask the creator of the universe, you know, what does this mean? Chris, we, we could do another show and I'll have you back on another time. But but let's take, we're inside three minutes now. So really quickly, one of the things I, I hope to get be able to spend some time on is talk to parents just for two minutes about uh, their kids and social media and the influences in the world that they experience. Oh, yes. Um, we can definitely spend a, a while on that. But uh, distractions are nothing new for the for Christians. Uh, the attacks of the enemy are nothing new. But the methods of distractions and of um, just sin have, have changed and evolved so much. And, and we have seen so much damage done by social media. Uh, simply because of, of the content that's put out there. And a lot of parents, you know, most of them are, are pretty familiar with TikTok. Um, you know, their kids either got them involved in it or they, they, they got their kids in it. 
But there's a lot of danger that's out there. I wish I could say, you know, parents, take your kids off TikTok. I can't do that. Um, what I can say is you need to be very aware of what's uh, of what exactly your kids are watching because the enemy is very good um, with TikTok and with other social media uh, influences. It has robbed them of their ability to think and to reason because they're being told what to think, how what to say. Uh, a lot of them, their personalities are based on the last show that they watched. Yeah. But the why Christianity is such a beautiful thing, not just for our eternal salvation and security with the Lord, but it also, our, our, our faith is, is reasonable. Our scripture uh, through the Holy Spirit teaches us to reason and to think. And it gives us the basis, as, as, as Jesus says in, in Peter, for a life of godliness and Christlikeness. And so social media and, and all these other influences will come and go. The dangers and the effects of sin will continue to permeate in everyone's heart, but particularly the youth, unless Jesus is the forefront of that home. Yeah. You know, uh, unfortunately, um, again, wish we had a whole bunch of time, but um, we'll, we'll have you back on the program. The one thing I want to say to parents, if, if, you're, if, you, if you and your family, your children are not in the Word of God, um, this world will win you over because of the demonic even influence of social media and everything else that's out there. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible. Yes, crucial. Chris, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. May the Lord bless all of you. I'll be back tomorrow uh, at 4 o'clock, Lord willing, on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. AM 630, The Word. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.